Hi. Hi, Keith here, Rebel Civics. Um, today I'm going to talk about the uh, at the end of the July, the uh, U.S. House of Representatives passed H.R. 1808, the assault weapons ban of 2002. I'm going to review this bill in detail from a constitutional perspective, um, you know, looking at the federal authority. And I'm going to shoot it full of holes. Not literally, of course, because I'll be speaking, not writing. Um, I'm going to review the previous 1994 assault weapons ban, uh, basically the same thing, assault weapons, high capacity, magazine sales ban, transfer bans. Um, I'll shoot that full of holes, too. I'm going to look at the, um, the definition of assault ban, assault weapon and assault rifle uh, that Congress has used in both of these bills, the 1994 one and the 2002 one. Um, Looking at the bill, it's many, many pages long, trying to get them to th their attempt to uh, to ban this. Um, they don't know how to define what it is. Uh, so I'm going to provide a definition for that. I'm going to look at some of the utilitarian arguments. Uh, that's basically what Congress does. They think they're going to stop crime. At least that's what they claim. So I'm going to look at some of the utilitarian arguments one way and the other. Um, and... I'm going to uh, take a look at some of the, the gun enforcement uh, that has been happening in America. Um, I'm going to look at the first attempt at gun enforcement, Lexington and Concord. And then I'm going to end with a discussion of what we really should do uh, if, if this does pass. So the House passed the ban. Uh, it's H.R. 1808. That's House Resolution 1808, the assault weapons ban of 2022. Um it's uh, next step is uh, it's going to the Senate. Um, the um, uh, House roll call vote uh, was 217 to 213, almost entirely on long party lines. So you can see this is a party politics game. Uh, it's not really about what they say it is. Uh, it's, it's all a game in parties. Uh, there's only two Republicans voted for it uh, and only five Democrats voted against it. Uh, the two Republicans, in case these are your district, that voted for it, Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, Pennsylvania Republican, and Chris Jacobs, a Republican from New York. Uh, he voted yes. Uh, Jacobs is the representative for the Buffalo area. So I guess uh, people in Buffalo, because of the shooting, are going after him. Uh, it was written by uh, David, apologies for not pronouncing this right, C. Saloni. Uh, he's a Democrat from Rhode Island. It's unlikely to pass the Senate, but I want to talk about it anyway. Um, so uh, the best place to look at these is not MSNBC or Fox News uh, or Twitter. Um, just go to the Gov site and read the thing. Uh, very few people actually talk about what it really is. So I just want to go through it and uh, show you guys what it is for those who haven't read it. But it's at uh, the site here, Congress House Bill 1808. Um, very easy to find. So the the um, bill, as it says here, the bill makes it a crime to knowingly import, sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess a semi-automatic assault weapon, SAW they call it, or large capacity ammunition feeding device. New acronym for that, LCAFD. I think I'm just going to call it by the name large capacity magazine. Uh, it doesn't apply to manually operated um Guns, so it's not a semi-automatic bolt, pump, lever action, slide action, uh, except for some types of shotguns uh, and antiques and all that. Uh, there's a long list of uh, of exemptions, uh, starting with it doesn't uh, apply to law enforcement, doesn't apply to anybody in the government, uh, doesn't apply to retired law enforcement, doesn't reply to the military, uh, doesn't apply to campus security, it doesn't apply to people involved in nuclear materials. Basically, uh, the government doesn't apply these things to himself. So they're not really banning it. Um, they're also not, everything's grandfathered. So they're not banning existing weapons at the time this does get passed. Uh, it's only new transfers. Uh, so as is typical with uh, congressional legislation, the name is a lie. Um, but it is probably what they want to do. Um, they want to just ban uh, but anyway, grandfathered is the term they use here. So I'm going to go through the text of the bill. So you just click on the text tab. And H.R. 1808. Um, it's going to the going to the Senate next. Um, 
So they start out, um, the, the short title is the one we've been calling it, uh, Assault Weapons Ban of 2022. Uh, it's an act to regulate assault weapons to ensure the right to keep and bear arms is not unlimited and for other purposes. Now, they would love to put this in for other purposes on there because they have other purposes in mind. Uh, also, this is interesting. They want to ensure the right to keep and bear arms is not unlimited. In other words, they're explicitly saying they want to violate the Second Amendment, which is a limit on them. So I think they say right up front, uh, if you want to uh, study whether this violates the Second Amendment, that line right there says it does. Anyway, uh, it's amusing to go through their attempt to define this thing. So they got to start with definitions because there's only two possibilities on assault weapons. Either everything's an assault weapon or nothing's an assault weapon. Uh, trying to divide up certain weapons and say these are assault weapons and these are not puts them into this problem. So the problem is obvious when you read their bill because it takes pages and pages and pages of attempts to define the thing that it is that they want to ban and still leave enough wiggle room that they can have them. Like their bodyguards are allowed to have assault weapons, what they call it. So let's look at the definition. Um, they define a semi-automatic pistol. That one's an easy one. Uh, everybody should know what that is. But if not, it's it's a pistol that uses some of the energy of, of the firing to extract the previous cartridge and load another one. Semi-automatic means you have to pull the trigger once for each fire. Um, same for shotguns. Uh, now more fun is semi-automatic assault weapons. So what's the what is an assault weapon actually? Um, they immediately go into features some of which are helpful, a lot of which are cosmetic. Uh, they don't actually put it in here, but I think it should just start with black. Um, is it because they're black? Uh, that's certainly part of the scary nature of this, and fear is what this is all about. So as far as a semi-automatic uh, assault weapon for a rifle, it can have a pistol grip or a forward grip or a folding telescoping stock, blah, blah, blah a grenade launcher, a barrel shroud, a threaded barrel, so you can change the barrel. Basically, it's a bunch of features which have nothing to do with its power to, to uh, injure or kill people, um, except you might say grenade launcher is more deadly than typical weapon, but they're not getting into ammo here. So these are essentially cosmetic kind of things. Uh, they don't really change the gun, but they do make it look scarier, which is what this is about. Um, then they talk about a fixed ammunition feeding device. So that's a, uh, a magazine, normally a detachable magazine is not a fixed ammunition. By fixed, they mean it's part of the gun. You can't change it. If it can hold more than 15 rounds, then that counts as semi-automatic assault rifle. This is in the rifle definition. Uh, and then they talk about any part, combination of parts, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's the same problem. They can't really define it. Um, not clearly. Uh, if they want to ban something, they should be able to define it in a sentence or two. Then uh, as far as pistols, same kind of thing. They start talking about different things. This is a pistol that's a little bigger. It has a second grip, threaded barrel, a shroud, which just keeps it from uh, burning yourself if you fire multiple times, a uh, detachable magazine, a weight of 50 ounces. That's interesting. I don't know where that one comes from. Um, Shotgun, a bunch of the same stuff, uh, revolving pistol. And then they just start listing models because I think they realize that they can't define the thing they want to ban. So they just start listing all AK types, including long list, more list, more list, all AR types, including AR-10, AR-15, 16, carbine, uh, all these. I, I can't possibly read all these. I want to keep the show to an hour or so. Um, I don't know how many pages this would be printed, but as you can see, this is quite a list. Uh, all these guns are included. Uh, all these pistols are included, including copies, duplicates, variants, altered facsimiles, uh, with the capability of any weapon they're off. Like, what does that mean legally? Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, AR-type pistols, calico pistols. Uh, if you're getting bored, um, this is kind of like reading uh, Dovesteski. Like, th the best way to understand this is to just wade through it all. 
Um, otherwise, you just don't realize how crazy these people are. Um, this is not how you make a definition of something that's just a noun. Um, you don't see Webster's definitions of, of a term that take half the dictionary. Then they do related definitions. So you know what a barrel shroud is, uh, but then what it doesn't include. Um, they're probably exempting something, say Nancy Pelosi's bodyguard has a gun that uses this. So probably maybe that's why they have it. More definitions, more definitions, more definitions. Restrictions. Then they get into restrictions on large capacity ammunition feeding devices. Now, here's the key. What they actually, the thing that is actually the law, it shall be unlawful for a person to import, sell, manufacture, transfer, or possess in or affecting interstate or foreign commerce a semi-automatic assault weapon. That's actually the ban itself. Um, but you need all the, you need that previous, I don't know how many pages that would be printed, lots and lots of pages to define the thing. And then they start talking about what it doesn't apply to, doesn't apply to these types of guns, uh, rimfire, antique, uh, bolt, pump, lever, slide action, except for a shotgun, particular types of shotgun. Uh, it doesn't apply to the United States, by that they mean the government. Or department or agency of the United States, which is a executive branch agency, or a state, which is a state government, or a department agency or political subdivision of a state, that would be counties, cities, towns, townships, doesn't apply to any of that. Um, it doesn't apply for uh, sale and transfer to all those same people. So basically, they're saying, it's us. It's the people. Um, this doesn't have anything to do with the government. They're allowed to have whatever. This doesn't apply to them. Uh, anybody in law enforcement, on or off duty, uh, it also includes retired law enforcement. So once you've worked for the government in a capacity related to law enforcement, then you're also exempt. Um, so I assume those uh, 87,000 new IRS agents uh, on retirement will be exempt from this. By this provision, um, go through more of this. Uh, private institution of higher education that's eligible under Title IV of the Higher Education Act. So, in other words, they're picking out the schools that they fund. That's an interesting one. So, you got to be connected with the government, then you can have all the guns you want. That's what they're saying. Uh, I, I'm curious if this doesn't apply to a school that refuses to accept uh, or is not eligible for some reason under their rules. Um, recognized, commissioned, certified by government entity as a law enforcement officer, um, authorized by federal, state, or local law to carry a firearm, execute search warrants, and make arrest. That's interesting. Does that apply to private security? I'm not sure. I'd like a legal reading on that. Um, then they uh, go into the second part here, large capacity ammunition feeding device, which they're saying is 15. So they call 15 large. Uh, same kind of thing with this. I'm not going to bore you with all those details. It's basically the same thing. Um, there's a provision about storage for grandfathered weapons. Grandfather means anything that you got that would this would apply to, uh, which is some significant portion of the 300 million or so guns in American people's hands right now. Um, so they're not going to ban assault weapons. Uh, I don't know what the portion is, but it's significant. Uh, it doesn't count for any of them, but there's some storage provisions for it. There's some markings for new sales, markings requirements for large capacity ammunition feeding devices. Uh, and then if you notice the tab on the right-hand side, we're somewhere like maybe 20% through this bill. Um, again, if you've read Crime and Punishment, you understand why I'm going through this because you can't understand it without actually paging through it. Uh, here, here's firearms that are exempted um, because the definitions are so loosey and, and undefined. They're attempting to do it by just writing down model numbers. I'm just going to scan through these because otherwise we'd be here for three hours. Um, I don't know how many pages this would be printed out. This is freaking long. Uh, it's it's almost ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So the um, now now it, it's unlikely to pass the Senate, 
I'm going to talk why I'm going through this about the next thing. Uh, the House already tried to do this. So in 1994, uh, they did the same thing. Uh, it lasted for 10 years. Um, it was called the Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protection Act. It's basically the same thing. Uh, even Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were involved. Chuck Schumer was the sponsor of the 1994 one. Uh, that went for 10 years and had a sunset provision, and that was allowed to expire. Um, but that one did pass. It was signed into law by Congress, and we had it for 10 years. I'm about three quarters of the way done through these. Um, for those who have read Dovaseski, you'll know my reference here. Uh, we did that in uh, book club. Okay. And then they get into penalties, background checks, that part's short, severability. Um, now, the one thing, back to top, uh, one more thing I want to mention on this, when they uh, talk about um, their, their basis for being able to do this, uh, they talk about it as an interstate commerce clause. So it says affecting in an affecting interstate commerce clause. That's one of the most abused provisions in the con in the constitution because they say now that you know if you grow a few marijuana plants in your basement for your own medical use that that's interstate commerce and that's why congress is allowed to uh regulate it um that one started from the wheat case a farmer that grew wheat on his own property for use by his own family and animals i was banned from growing wheat because it affected interstate commerce, because if he didn't grow it, he might've bought it and he might've bought it on the market and it might've come from another state. Um, that's what they claim their authority here comes from. Uh, that's pretty ludicrous. All right, let me just go through uh, much quicker. This is the 1993-1994 assault weapons ban. Um, this one was called Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protect Act. H.R. 4296. Uh, Chuck Schumer was a sponsor. If you recognize that name, uh, he's still around trying to do the same shit. All right. The text of this one, uh, the uh, I'll find a short title for it. There is a short title right here. Oh, that is the short title. Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Protection Act. Um, the bill is, this is uh, really the intent to make unlawful the transfer or possession of assault weapons. That's what they say. That's what they say it is. Uh, but actually possession um, is not what they outlawed. Uh, they just outlawed manufacture transfer. Um, so uh, this one, I'm not going to go through it uh, in any detail. It's basically a simplified version of the same thing. So if you think this is new, uh, they've been claiming this is because of Uvalde, Texas and the Buffalo shooting because they used AR-15s and that's why I need this. Like these people have been on this for decades. This one this one was uh, originally proposed in 93 and got through in 94. Uh, it's basically the same thing and a list of what it doesn't apply to. Now they hadn't learned this long, long, long tryst of models here, uh, but they, they do it the same thing. They go through features uh, and they also list some models. Uh, probably some of the proliferation of models happened because of this ban because people made New Jersey compliant AR-15s because when you try to define it by cosmetic features, uh, just make it brown and not folding and maybe it can't have a barrel shield or um, none of that has to do with its lethality. Anyway, they already tried this. Uh, the reason that it was allowed to expire at the end of its 10-year um, uh, sunset is that they couldn't argue that it did anything because the data, even Congress had to admit that it didn't, didn't uh, help with violent crime, which is supposedly what it's for. And uh, that should be obvious to a rational person because these bills keep weapons out of the hands of criminals, don't keep weapons out of the hands of criminals, and some law-abiding citizens will have trouble getting one, and probably some people didn't buy one. Um, but if you're grandfathered, you can keep the one you got. And I want to talk about uh, the effects of the of the ban. So, um, I'm gonna the the um, 
it's basically it's a utility. I look at this as a utilitarian argument. So they're trying to argue that the reason for the ban is that it'll stop um, shootings. Actually, why don't you stop sharing for for a minute here? Um, I'm going to chat on this. The the idea, you know, what I'm calling a utilitarian argument, uh, that's what the congressmen that are uh, for this are arguing that this will stop crime. Like that's their public um, use. Uh, the reason they have this long problem with the definition is that they won't actually admit what it is they want to define. So I came up with a definition. I would like to offer it to Nancy Pelosi. So a semi-automatic assault rifle is a black semi-automatic rifle that visually appears similar to rifles used in the military and in Hollywood movies that scares people that know nothing about firearms. Um, that is actually what the definition should be. Uh, those like 50 odd pages of words trying to define it. Um, they're just trying to define something that looks scary to people that don't really know what they're looking at. Um, and it's useful to the government. Uh, remember, fear is the basis of government, of all big government, certainly. Uh, fear is the foundation for government. Fear is what they use to expand their power. So they're really just banning a scary black rifle. So if you ask an AR-15 what the problem is, the first question is, is it because I'm black? Like, who knows? Um, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stoke up fear. And they cherry pick statistics in this utilitarian argument to say that this is going to stop crime. Now, if you look at some of the the arguments for it, um, recently we had the Uvalde and the Buffalo shooters. Uh, they used AR-15s. And so that means you need to ban AR-15s and those like hundreds and maybe thousands of other types of guns. Uh, all of them count. Now, the first problem with this is that rifles are not used in very much violent crime. That is not the weapon of choice. Um, even for mass shoot shooters, AR-15 is not the mass choice. Um, the biggest deaths, like biggest mass deaths in the U.S. in my lifetime, uh, first off, 9-11, uh, that was about 3,000 people were killed. Uh, they used uh, basically box cutters and an airplane. Um, this one have stopped that one. If you wanted to do something about that, I would uh, not going to get into it in this show, but it was basically intervention. Um, the people who did that said why uh, they didn't like what the U.S. military was doing and the government was doing in the Middle East. Uh, that's why that happened. So if you wanted to stop that, stop intervention wars. That would end at that one. Um, the next uh, biggest mass killing in my lifetime uh, is the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. That was 168 people died. Uh, the motive of the, you can call him a domestic terrorist there, but his motive was was what the FBI and ATF did in Ruby Ridge and Waco. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, he did go after a government building. Um, anyway, he didn't use an AR-15. He didn't use a gun. Uh, he used a fertilizer bomb um, in a, in a van or something. Uh, anyway, that's the, uh, that's the biggest one. Uh, the next biggest one, the third biggest one also happens to be the biggest school shooting, uh, as I would look at it, the biggest mass school killing in the U S uh, that was the branch Davidian compound in Wake to Waco, Texas, the, uh, their home school. Um, that was, uh, somewhere around 75 people were killed by the FBI and the ATF. So, um, Looking at the top three, uh, it's always useful when you see somebody's trying to ban something to stop something. You say, okay, like, well, what are the biggest ones that happen? Like, this does absolutely nothing. Like, you can't even argue this has anything to do with the top three mass killings in the U.S. in my lifetimes. Uh, this doesn't do anything about that. So there's a question for it. Um, a lot of people bring up examples. Like, they talk about the Buffalo example. They talk about Ovaldi. Uh those were gun-free zones. So the first counter argument to that is you can point out that 98 or so percent of mass shootings in the U.S. happen in gun-free zones, uh, even Parkland, Texas, like that, the kid, the guy who did that, I won't call him a kid because he was 18. Um, they knew about him for years. Um, 
the actual model gun he picked is not important. He had a bunch of different guns. He could have picked something different. Um, they could have stopped him way before that. Uh, they didn't. The school was a, was a gun-free zone, supposedly, except for one school resource officer who hid behind a pole the whole time. Uh, the Evaldi, Texas um, case, gun-free zone. Uh, the movie theater case, gun-free zone. The Connecticut school, gun-free zone. Uh, the Pulse nightclub in Florida, gun-free zone. Uh, Florida's not a good place for a mass shooter. There's 2 million-plus people in Florida with concealed carry permits. Uh, that's why the two mass shootings in Florida, since I've lived here, both happened inside gun-free zones. And there's not that many gun-free zones in Florida. Schools are a big one. So if you want to go after that problem, uh, it's not the gun. All right. I want to go back to sharing. I want to talk about some of the um, studies done for this. So this is a, uh, th there's thousands of gun studies and the politicians tout them out constantly. Uh, they're all cherry picking. And also uh, a lot of the uh, pro-gun rights people um, also end up cherry picking um, or they're looking at uh, confirmation bias. So the problem is that the, the gun studies uh, almost never or essentially never are really good studies. Um, it's a difficult thing because there's so many different factors involved. And I've read lots of them. Uh, this one I recently came across. This is very interesting. It's a RAND Corporation. They're pretty good um, as far as uh, honest. They did some meta studies and different um, looking at all different studies on the likely effect of gun policies. Uh, the, the findings in here in this and uh again this is uh this is rampart we'll we'll post the links to to some of this um what what rand found i'm just going to summarize what they found uh first off they only found something like a hundred out of many thousands of studies that even were rigorous enough to base anything on uh most most of what they found was not rigorous enough to draw any conclusions from uh all the studies that are being that have been used that I've heard, they talk about why they, this bill gets passed. Uh, they're not rigorous enough to use for this. You can't conclude anything. Uh, then they narrowed it down to something like a hundred studies, where they found that the data was at least close enough to take a look at, and the end result was they couldn't find any correlation, significant correlation either way with both things defined as assault weapons and large capacity magazines. Uh, the statistics on where they're used are just too low. Uh, the number of rifles used in intentional homicides is fairly low. The number of mass shootings is very low. And even among mass shootings, it's only about 30% that use the, the weapons that fall under the mass, the, um, large capacity ammunition feeding device ban and the assault rifle ban, assault weapons ban. Um, most of them use other kinds of guns um, and there's other ways to do it, as I said before. Um, so the studies, be very careful of cherry picking studies. Um, the the uh, Another thing I wanna talk about, uh, here's some murder rate data. Um, this is a chart of 2017. Uh, I know it's a few years old, but I like the chart because it's really simple and easy to tell. It's based on um, FBI data, and and it's showing the states uh, as a color. So this bluish color, uh, New Hampshire right here, is number is the lowest in the country, and then this color here is the highest. Uh, this light color. There we go, Louisiana. So 2017, Louisiana is the highest. New Hampshire is the lowest. Now, if you look at some of the other really low states, uh, North Dakota, uh, Maine and Vermont are low. Um, Massachusetts is pretty low in this one, too. Um, next level on the color. So uh, some of the ones that are high, Maryland is very high, uh, and Texas is high. 
the correlation here is kind of loose as far as gun regulations. Um, look at like a state like Illinois, uh, Chicago has one of the worst uh, gun related homicides in the country. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland was, I think that was the highest or second last year. It's always very high. That's in Maryland. Both of those states are super restrictive on firearms. Uh, New Hampshire, which has the lowest, uh, if you know much about New Hampshire, um, it's a constitutional carry, so-called uh, permitless carry. Uh, you don't need a permit to carry if you're a non-felon adult uh, or to buy. Uh, they recognize carry permits from all other states. They have a very high gun ownership rate. Um, and yet they have the lowest uh, homicide rate in the U.S. So if you want to cherry pick some data, or at least ask a question, why is a state like Maryland, which is super restrictive, like like I wouldn't even stay there overnight if I had a pistol with me, you better just drive through and not stop and have it locked in the trunk, unloaded, uh, versus New Hampshire, um, you can open carry. Uh, you can open carry in a restaurant or in grocery store. You can concealed carry in a restaurant and grocery store. No permit um, if, you're, if you're 21. Uh, some of these states are 18. Um, Maine's kind of the same as that. Vermont's pretty much the same as that. Uh, one of these is one of the uh, few states where you can conceal carry inside leg state legislature buildings. Um, yet you don't hear Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, like they, the, 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 the pro-gun arguments, these places should be in the news daily for murder and mayhem. Like there's guns all over the place. I was just in New Hampshire for, for a pork fest. You see people with guns. When in a grocery store, you see people with a gun in their back pocket. Like, But not New Hampshire seems fine. Uh, New York is uh, kind of middle on the statistics, uh, certainly way higher than New Hampshire. Uh, New York, the, the gun rules there is basically you can't go it. Like when we drove through New York, uh, we go into Pennsylvania and then get into the northeast corner of Pennsylvania and then boogie through New York in two hours and then get into the eastern part of Vermont. Um, you have to have a, a pistol. First off, you better not have over 10 rounds. Uh, so you better have a pistol that's 10 rounds or under. Uh, the pistol has to be unloaded in a lock compartment, can't be accessible from the passenger compartment. So put your pistol unloaded in a safe, put the ammo in a separate hard-sided locked container. Uh, that's their rule. Then as soon as you get to Vermont, take the gun out and put it back in your holster. Uh, it's fine. Same New Hampshire, same as Maine. So why is that state? Uh, Maryland's very similar to New York. Um, very restrictive. Maryland's uh, even worse. Uh, Louisiana, though, it's kind of the middle of the road. Like Louisiana honors the Florida concealed carry permit. Uh, they're restrictive. Um, they're they're kind of classified in the middle as far as permissions. Um, they restrict ammo. Uh, they have they have permits. It's not a constitutional carry state, uh, but they do have stand your ground. Um, so there's something different here. So if you look just back away from this and just think about statistically, okay, why is New Hampshire, which has a higher rate of gun ownership than most states, very open carry permit, open concealed carry, no permitless carry, all that's fine. Um, why are they the lowest and Louisiana is the highest? Now, I'm not going to go into much, but there's something different. It's not the gun laws and it's not the gun ownership. Uh, there's something different going on here. Um, California, very restrictive. Uh, that's a red one. It's a darker red one. Um, Missouri, uh, you hear about that one uh, all the time. Very restrictive. Uh, Florida's one of the least restrictive, but it's higher. So I'll throw one thing out, like Florida has Orlando and Miami and Tampa. Um, Texas has Houston, Dallas, uh, maybe Galveston. Uh, these places up here don't have anything like that. Uh, and the populations are somewhat different. So that's all speculation. I'm not going to talk about why, but the idea that it's a given that gun control laws will stop crime. Uh, this, this is a complete negation of that. Like this makes no sense if that's what you think. 
Uh, and again, this is 2017. Um, I found another map here. Uh, this is 2020 data. Uh, it's it's um, also it's showing Vermont a little higher here, two to four, uh, less than two, Maine, Vermont, uh, Verm or New Hampshire, excuse me, New Hampshire, um, very low. Uh, New Jersey is one of the most restrictive in the country, but it's between two and four too. So uh, that's not clear. Why is that like that? Uh, Maryland, very restrictive. Um, like I said, when we drove on the way back to Florida, we went through this little point of Maryland right here. We were in Maryland for 15 minutes uh, and we stopped and unloaded. I, I followed the law, but yep, unload the gun, lock up the ammo in a hard-sided separate lock container, uh, put the pistol in a safe, not accessible to the driver, passenger, um, and then just boogie through Maryland, don't stop. Um, that was one thing I was going to mention in New York. Uh, I might stop for gas, but if you if you stop and camp, um, you're violating the New York law. Uh, you can't go into a hotel. You're really authorized to carry the gun through Maryland, through New York, only because there's a provision federally that makes it you can transit the state with a firearm that's would be legal if you were a resident. That's how they do it. So uh, anyway, I might do a whole show on on traveling with a with firearms. Um, but yeah, boogie through New York, boogie through Maryland, Massachusetts, just go around. It's easy to get to th these like beautiful three states up here and going around Massachusetts. Um, the only reason I stop in New Jersey is because I have friends and family there. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't go there um, at all. Uh, in living in Florida, it's interesting that I digress a little here, but uh, a lot of people I know in Florida say, well, they would never go in New Jersey. Like that's that's dangerous. Uh, they consider it dangerous. They wouldn't go. Never been there, wouldn't go. Um, you talk to people who live uh, up in these states and come to Florida for the winter. A lot of them go around New Jersey. Um, and if you have the time, go around Maryland. West Virginia is beautiful. Um, anyway, like I said, I digress. So in 2020, Louisiana was still the highest. Uh, New Hampshire is still the lowest. And uh, Maine is up there. New Hampshire, Vermont ticked up a little bit. I don't know why that is. I don't know what changed or if that was right by the line. Uh, but it's the same kind of thing. My point was, you look at the state maps, it's very, uh, it's essentially impossible to conclude that gun laws make um, people safer, that gun laws reduce homicides. Uh, it, it, the, the data does not, does not show that. Um, so the question I have on Congress, um, this would be a good polling question. When you look at this example of what the laws do, uh, you look through their definitions of what an assault weapon ban is. Um, I think there's three possibilities uh, with Congress. And uh, Beverly, you can stop the share. Um, first possibility with Congress is they're, they're stupid, they're fools. This is for people who voted for this ban. So uh, of the three possibilities I can think of, uh, one is that they're, they're just stupid. Like they don't, they didn't look at what it is. Uh, they hear all this noise about guns and they actually do think that this will reduce crime, that this will reduce murders. Uh, they think this bill will do something. Um, second possibility, uh, they have a really shitty memory. Uh, so they don't know anything about other bans and the data. Uh, they haven't, they don't remember that in 1994 they banned guns um, and it didn't do anything. Uh, the crime rates were dropping everywhere and there's no correlation between that assault weapons ban and violent crime in, in a legitimate study. I'll put that caveat in there because you can find a study and p politicians were announcing that that saved so many lives. Uh, they're just cherry picking data. They're not really looking at it. So that's the second possibility in Congress. Uh, they're just bad memory. Um, both of those possibilities, you could argue that they actually do have a good goal. I, I would, I contend that because I want to talk about principle later. Uh, the third possibility is they're, they're evil um, and their goal has nothing to do with crime. Uh, reducing homicides, intentional homicide. Uh, there's some other goal, and it is not what they're saying it is. 
it's not guns, it's not crime, it's not homicide, it's not even suicide. Uh, they have another goal. I'm saying it has to be an evil one. So there's a question for you. Are they stupid? Do they have a shitty memory? Or they have an evil goal that's nothing to do with gun gun crime. It's one of those three. If there's another possibility, uh, let me know. I'll consider it. Uh, none came to mind. Um, so next thing I want to get into, I just want to talk about the Constitution. Uh, this is Rebel Civics. And of course, the Constitution comes up on a lot of shows. Um, it certainly comes up here because the Constitution is a description of what the federal government's allowed to do. So as far as Congress goes, it's Article 1, Section 8. Uh, that's two pages in this little book that defines everything that Congress uh, is authorized to do. Everything that Congress was expressly delegated authority to do. This includes the House of Representatives. Uh, I don't need to read this, but if you want to sit down and spend five minutes, uh, congressmen, they wouldn't do this. I'm talking about to the unsafe space community. Um, read it. There's nothing in there that even remotely delegates any power to regulate firearms in any way. So Congress does not have the authority to pass any regulations on firearms, period. Uh, these details of semi-automatic assault rifle and hand grips and shroud guards and folding stocks and large capacity magazines, like all that is just noise. Like these, these, they have no authority to do that. Uh, any congressman that voted for this bill violated their oath of office to support and uphold the Constitution of the United States. Um, that's an offense that should be removed from office for that. Uh, there's no authority there. Then, second, secondly, um, the Second Amendment expressly prohibits it. So Article 1 of the Constitution that defines what Congress is allowed to do, there's no positive authority delegated to ban this. Therefore, they can't do it. You don't need the Second Amendment. Um, the Second Amendment is just a reminder, and it's also a negative. And I'll just read it, although everybody's heard it a lot, but I want to read it. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, that's quite clear shall not be infringed. The um, shenanigans with this, sometimes they go through the definitions. So I'm going to talk about that briefly. Uh, first thing, uh, they talk about the militia, uh, a well-regulated militia. So what is the militia? I have the definition from George Mason. Uh, he's the father of the Bill of Rights, so he's a good one to check on this. Uh, George Mason said, the militia is the whole body of the people, not including those in public office. Um, he also, uh, in another uh, place in one of the papers, he said that militia is the whole body of the people, not including a few government officers. So basically, the militia is all the people, except for government. Um, and government should include, has to include Anybody that works for the government, they have a conflict of interest. Uh, that includes police. Uh, at What's been done with the National Guard at this point, I include the National Guard. They're not the militia. Uh, that's not the whole body of the people. They um, are subject to the uh, whims of D.C. at this point, though I am a strong supporter of the Defend the Guard, and a lot of guardsmen are too. I would love to see the National Guard back away from D.C. and not deploy overseas unless Congress passes a declaration of war and the governor of the state agrees back to what um, the National Guard is originally founded on. But at this point, the National Guard is subject to D.C., therefore they count as an officer of the government. They're not part of the militia. So the militia is the whole body of the people. Uh, another definition of militia um, from the 1770s, you know, at the time that this was 1780s, 1790s, when the, this was all written, uh, the militia was able-bodied men from 16 to 45. Um, now it would include women in that, but there's another definition. Uh, that's also not including a few officers of the government, the few officers of the government. A uh, few is kind of funny now because a quarter of the people in the U.S. work for the government or so. 
Um, so we, we wouldn't say a few officers of the government now, but that is what they thought militia was. So that matters. Well-regulated. We don't use regulated the way that uh, it was used back then. Well-regulated means well-trained, well-rehearsed, well-drilled. Uh, they didn't use the word regulated to be regulation. So that's not about federal regulation. So a well-regulated militia is the whole body of the people or able-bodied men, 16 to 45, that are not in the government, um, that are well-trained and well-rehearsed and they regularly drill. That's what the militia is. So that doesn't eliminate us. Um, the security of the free state, of course. Uh, no, Webster defined a free state as a state where the whole body of the people are armed and the government cannot enforce unjust laws because of that. Like that is what a free state is. According to Noah Webster, he's the guy that wrote the dictionary, uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Now, what is an arms? Um, I want to share again briefly. Uh, the word arms comes from Middle English. Uh, it's from the original French word, A-R-M-E-S. I won't try to pronounce that. I know my last name's Bisset, but I don't speak French. Uh, it meant weapons of the warrior. Um, the word goes back to the 1300s. Uh, this is an article in the Tenth Amendment Center. Good place to read up on stuff like this, stuff about what the Constitution means. Uh, arms also comes from the Latin word for weapons, arma. Um, as far as a legal definition, uh, there's a uh, in a 1773 legal dictionary, arms is weapons of offense, of armor or defense. Uh, the 1771, one of the most popular legal dictionaries in use at the time, uh, actually, I think the most popular, uh, an arms is anything that a man wears for his defense or takes into his hands or useth in wrath to cast at or strike another. Um, that's what arms was. Uh, Joseph Story um, talked about, he was a Supreme Court justice in 1883. When we talk about the right to keep and bear arms, uh, he said in a court decision, it's secured to them as individuals according to libertarian principles, not as members of a fighting force. So the, the argument that we have the right to keep and bear arms if we're part of National Guard or police or like that's bogus. Um, it's not a right granted by the Constitution. Uh, the Constitution just reminds us that the right exists. So the Second Amendment doesn't have to be there. And, to, to have the right to keep and bear arms. That's a natural right. All right, you can stop sharing that. Um, that's all the, uh, the shares that I have here. Um, all right, uh, as I said before about utilitarian, all of that stuff is utilitarian. I'm calling utilitarian. So it's both utilitarian arguments in favor of banning certain kind of weapons and utilitarian arguments against banning of certain weapons. Um, in the end, what actually matters is the principle. And the principle here is that we all have the right to life. Um, that right includes the right to defend it by whatever means necessary, whatever means you're able. Uh, that includes owning firearms. The basis of the Constitution and the Second Amendment on this is a recognition of that natural right. Uh, the founders did this the, the reason they put the reminder in was to remind the government, federal government, that it's not allowed to violate that. Um, every gun control act passed by Congress is illegal. Uh, and principle by principle, it's immoral. It all violates the Constitution. It all violates the natural right to keep and bear arms. Uh, that goes back to the 1934 Firearms Act, includes the Brady Handbill Act. Uh, it includes the Undetectable Firearms Act, the Gun Safety Act of the 80s, whatever it is. All of those are illegal bills. They're also immoral bills because they violate the fundamental principle that we have the right to life and the right to defend it. Um, I want to point out the first attempt at gun control in America uh, was in Lexington and Concord when uh, the king had General Gage uh, attempt to confiscate the guns. This is before the, the uh, war for American independence really got going, but this is part of the opening battle of that. I want to 
include the Boston Massacre before that, but that was General Gage sending the uh, essentially the police at the time, which was the military, it's all the same thing, to confiscate the arms of the colonists. Now, it didn't go all that well uh, for the general's troops at the time, and in the end, it didn't go that well for the king either. Uh, but yeah, that war was started as an attempt by the government to confiscate arms. And the colonists at the time, uh, they drew the line in the sand there. They say, no, we're not going to allow this. So if you think back to what the founders would do with this sort of thing, as uh, far as I'm concerned, we should face it. Uh, George Washington would bring cannon and a thousand men to the protest, not a cardboard sign like like. The, the founders that designed this United States and kicked the king off for being tyrannical uh, for uh, the long list of grievances in the declaration, including he has sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Uh, that sure sounds familiar today. So the federal government should be thinking very carefully when they violate their own job description, they violate the principle of the right to life and the right to defend it. And they violate their, their job. They should be all kicked out on their butts. Everybody that voted for this should be impeached, removed from office immediately uh, for both being immoral and for violating their job description. The last thing I wanna do, I wanna end with, if something like this does pass, uh, or even if it doesn't, because there's plenty of both immoral and unconstitutional or illegal federal legislation on um, firearm restrictions. Uh, what really should we do? Um, first off, I want to quote Mike Meharry. Uh, he said, never, ever, ever call the 202 area code. Call your state legislature. Call your state capital. I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, the point there is that running to D.C. is not the way to handle this sort of problem. Uh, you can call your senator and tell them, don't vote for this. Uh, I didn't bother, um, although I'm not saying not to do that. Um, in the end, we can't rely on Washington, D.C. to limit their own power. That's not a good way to do this. Uh, voting the bums out is not a strategy that has worked. Uh, it's not going to work. Um, ultimately, we need a bigger change than that, um, much, much beyond this this whole concept of voting, uh, petitioning the government, like don't go to, I don't want to go to federal court. Um, people have been saying, well, if the Senate does pass this, the Supreme Court will disallow it. Maybe, maybe not. Um, the Supreme Court's done all kinds of crazy things, right? The Supreme Court said that uh, if you have black skin, you're not a citizen of the United States. Uh, that's never been overturned, by the way. Um, they said that if you're of Japanese ancestry, then that's sufficient to put you in a concentration camp. Um, they've, uh, they said that if you grow wheat on your farm for your use of your own family, that that's interstate commerce, therefore Congress can ban it. Uh, more recently, the Supreme Court said that if you grow marijuana for medical use in a state where it's legal, California was right, the rate case, uh, that that's interstate commerce because if you didn't grow the marijuana for your own use, then you would have you would have bought it, and if you did buy it, you might have bought it across state lines. Therefore, growing a marijuana plant in your basement is interstate commerce, and they can make it illegal. Um, that one's really interesting because it's actually legal to buy marijuana, so uh, that one just makes my head spin. But anyway. There's the Supreme Court, uh, a bunch of politically connected lawyers who wear their bathrobes to work. Uh, their majority opinions are wrong, at least as much as they're right. Um, I don't think they should be relied on to stop this. Where I'm going with this is the people have to do it. The states have to do it. So the first thing with a law like this, uh, I would like to see the governors and county sheriffs standing up right now and saying, we don't really care if you pass this. Uh, we're going to nullify this. Uh, the state legislatures should just pass bills and saying that this doesn't apply in Florida, for example. Uh, Florida has a constitutional a constitutional provision on the right to keep and bear arms. It says that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be 
infringed, except the manner of carrying may be regulated by law. Uh, basically, Florida Constitution does allow the legislature to require that you carry, say, concealed carry, or you have to carry in a holster that's a type three holster that you need a latching release. Uh, they could regulate that under the Constitution, um, the Florida Constitution. Uh, the Second Amendment, keep in mind, that applies to the federal government. Uh, I'm going to do a show on the incorporation document, but that's a federal government restriction. Uh, Second Amendment doesn't really apply to the states. But I digress. My point here is that the states are what has to stop this. It's really the people through their states that stop this. So I'd start right away with uh, what uh, Rob Nadelson called narrow nullification, which is state banning all state actors from enforcing this uh, with penalties, which would be if this does go through, um, the state would pass legislation that say that no sheriff's department, no police, uh, no um, state police, no city police, uh, no Florida state government agents can assist federal government enforcing this in any way. That basically stops them because the ATF just does not have that many people. Uh, if states do that, it essentially nullifies it because they can't do anything. Uh, they, they can't really keep up. They can do a few examples if the sheriffs stop it uh, using force. We'll call that wide nullification. So that would be a case of if an ATF agent came and attempted to confiscate a gun, then the county sheriff, who doesn't answer to the ATF in any manner whatsoever, uh, would just stop them uh, using whatever force necessary, uh, including arresting. Like a county sheriff can arrest an ATF agent if the county sheriff determines that what the ATF agent is trying to do is unconstitutional. So an ATF agent enforcing this H.R. 1808 uh, could be arrested and put in prison and tried under state law for violating uh, the Constitution. So I would like to see that. Uh, the next step, I think the threat of secession and states just saying, no, we've had enough. Your people are just so far off the rocker. Uh, we're going to start talking about just leaving the union if this is what you're going to do. So anyway, I'm going to close with that. Never, ever call the 202 area code. Calling D.C., we got 250 years of history saying that don't work. Um, I'm done with that solution. Anyway, uh, see you for now. And remember, black guns matter. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production is known by the state of California to cause unregulated ideation that may be harmful to bureaucrats. Association with the following individuals, or tacos is strictly prohibited apropos of nothing i was just wondering how would you feel about another pandemic your president is in full control of his mental faculties if you think about it no one should be allowed to express opinions but don't think about it i mean that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news.
please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.